Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Shop Talk Show. We have two beautiful sponsors this week. Our longtime sponsor, Environments for Humans, who last minute, if you're interested in this, they're having the Digital Biz Summit, digitalbizsummit.com, which you're going to have to act fast because it's August 20th, which is Tuesday, and it's going to be awesome. It's all about running a business online kind of web business. And a brand new sponsor called Ghost Lab. So go to vanamco.com slash shop talk, and you'll go to vamco.com slash ghost lab and it's a really cool software for keeping multiple browsers in sync when you're testing and it's really cool and i can't wait to tell you about it later in the show but for now let's kick things off Everybody, you're listening to the Shop Talk Show, a sound effects podcast that also covers web design and development. I'm Dave Rupert, and with me is Christopher Coyer. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. As always, it's super excellent. This week, we have Jason Santa Maria. Hey, Jason. Thanks for joining us. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have you, Jason. It's great to be here. <laughs> or Jason Santa... Oh. Or Mr. Santa Maria. Mr. Mar- do, I prefer have- Mr. Maria. Mr. Maria. Mr. Maria. You know what? Is that really? Is it? What do you sign your checks? Or or what's? I guess on <laughs> what, your bath what's your towels? bank account number? What? Yeah. What's your What's your social? Uh, what What's? Your, is it? If you If I were to monogram or whatever, get you some bath towels that said Mr. <laughs> Santa Maria. Yes. Yeah. My last name is Santa Maria. Two words. Perfect. Perfect. I always assume that. I just never knew, even though we've worked together and stuff. But anyway, although although my sorry to... my birth certificate has it as one word, and I don't know if that was a a, a a lack of ability to make it two words on the birth certificate, or if my parents have always just been doing it wrong. I have no idea. Blame it on the system. Is... Computer. That's problem. Right. Typewriters. <laughs> am I right? Oh, am I right? <laughs> hey. <laughs> Come on. You know, Jen Lucas, I'm sure you do. Of What's course her? I do, yeah. Yeah, her man, boyfriend, calls you Stan. You must have been called Stan that's at right. one point in your life. Yeah, that's uh, that's from college. Secret. Uh, an uh, old old nickname. Still, everyone, all of my friends in Philadelphia still call me that. And yep. it's slowly trickled its way up to New York now. That's awesome. I was Tiffer uh, so in high school. I guess, no. Tiffer. Mm-hmm didn't catch uh so jason i guess like for people who don't know your story and uh aren't uh familiar with your uh life story i guess what do you do now and or how'd you get your start what, what kind of what's your what's your kind of elevator pitch for yourself oh man uh i'm i guess i'm i'm just a web designer uh and i've been doing this for um well over a decade now and uh i got my start doing print and uh, web design, although I wasn't very good at the web design side of things, but I learned on the job um, and uh, slowly kind of just transitioned into doing almost uh, entirely web work. And I, you know, bounced around at some agencies and eventually ended up at Happy Cog for 
a number of years and worked on stuff like Alista Part and a number of uh, really good client websites um, before going out freelance uh, and then joining up with Typekit um, a few years back and helping to launch that and get that off the ground. And more recently, I've, I've since left Typekit and uh, have been uh, working on a new startup called Editorially um, with some, some friends, some from Typekit and some from some elsewhere, uh, as well as uh, a book apart. That's the, the main stuff that I've been doing now. Yeah, nice. Cool. So back, yeah, the short, some pretty cool version. stuff in the old school portfolio. Like the like the WordPress admin way back in the day. That's a pretty cool project, huh? Yeah, yeah and the, the WordPress logo, too. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, I've actually done lots of uh, either early identity work for, for companies that have since gotten big or, um, you know, some early developmental work uh, on, on some other stuff, too. Which is, yeah. is is kind of interesting. Sometimes it's you know I I I kind of shudder sometimes when a logo I've done is is still around or or uh, you know is it, it has has not been has not been replaced yet. Yeah, because <laughs> oh, you get the like the classic designer look back on it and cringe thing, and it just like won't go away. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Cool. So let's see. Let's see. So editorially, that's the new thing now. So I'm sure that's consuming most of your daily thought, huh? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's where where most of my time goes now, and I'm I'm so excited to be working on it. It's a really awesome team, but uh, the design problems themselves are really interesting to me too. I'm sure the the best way to write, collaborate on, and talk about text. So what it is is like a markdown editor, but it's collaborative in some ways, and it has a timeline of your changes and has tools for annotation on stuff. Is that about right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it kind of spun out of uh, what we were doing with a book apart and uh, like the editorial flow around that, and being really frustrated around, uh, you know either people writing in word or writing in pages and doing things like track changes um, where, you know, you, you highlight some text and you comment on it, or you, you suggest a change and someone has to go through and kind of accept or deny everything. And even when they do that, that, that interaction is completely gone. Like if you accept a change, there's no record of what, mm. what led up to that change anymore. You're kind of only ever working on the most current thing. Um, so the history of the document is completely gone. Uh, so not only that, but just having a better space to talk around a document, sometimes from like, you know, a high level outside the document, but sometimes on very specific things, we kind of wanted to make something that would allow people to collaborate where and when they need to, but also preserve the life of the document as it goes forward so that you can always see where you've been and see how you got there and compare things across, you know, all the different versions of things. It's a, I don't know, it, it really spins out of, of just wanting to have a better, better editorial editorial flow than, than what we've been used right. to. And I mean, I, yeah. I hate like emailing long strings of feedback, you know, to people and that's separate from the document and it, it's just everything's so scattered. 
It is indeed. It happens. I just like have created some emails in the last, I don't know, few months where it's like send them the email, then they copy it and paste it into pages to make changes. Then somebody else grabs it and puts it in Word and then somebody else opens the PDF and uses those little sticky note things and whatever. And keeping everybody (laughs) even in one application is a pain in the ass, let alone. Uh, preserving changes and all that kind of thing. What about like what about people that have like written a book on GitHub? That I mean, that seems like that's not exactly a writing tool, but at least it has like version changes and stuff. Would it be fair to compare it to like to, to source control in a way? Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, like early on, that's the way that we were we were thinking about this is saying stuff like you know GitHub, but for writing um, and just making that that leap. Uh, brings many, many more problems along with it. Like GitHub's great for code and things because um, of the way that you can assume code is going to work. You know, you have lines of code um, and there's always a syntax, but writing is completely freeform. So pinpointing where something occurs, you know, you can't always do do it based on line or where it appears in a paragraph or, you you know, like there it's, it's a lot more complex and a lot more, uh, you know, free formatting in that way too. Um, But I mean, mentally it's a similar model in that you want to be able to preserve stuff and version it and work with a lot of other people and collaborate on. Yeah. That's cool. I wish, uh, I wish I had a better process. I want to, I like, I want to use it more, but I don't have anybody that, (laughs) you know, wants to, I don't know. Like when I write a blog post, Chris, I'll be your, will you, can can me and you do it? Okay. That would be good. Well, that's that's it too. I mean, even at its most basic, editorially is a really good editor. You know, you can do markdown and you can you can format your text really simply, but it's also just like a nice simple interface to write in. So, I mean, I I write stuff that I then share with people to get feedback, but I also just write stuff for myself too. Yeah, cuz it's so, a markdown. You, yeah, you don't have to collaborate to write. I don't know if I'm violating the beta agreement, but we use it at Paravel from time to time. Uh, we just kind of like when we write an article or whatever, we usually just like share it on editorially just to be like, okay, are we like whatever shaming our company by saying this or like, is there anything like totally like blasphemous or will offend anyone here? Uh, and so we just kind of, there's like a process we do with every single article we write or whatever. We just kind of like share it and be like, what would I change? Which, you know, is this all making sense? Does this have flow? Um, even though we each like, we're very much like our own authors, but, um, it's been very cool because it you kind of get the best thing, and you know it's been interesting because it'll like with any editorial thing. I feel like it's like you start out with this thing, it's pretty good, and then you make edits, and then it gets kind of weird, and, and then you're like, okay, now we're doing this, and it irons out. But absolutely, it's been a success for us, is what I want to say. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm thumbs up. I feel like I got. I'm I'm not allowed to say that though because a. Uh, I'm in the beta, but I can say this. You can talk about uh, it. People have been, you know, writing about it and there's screenshots out there and stuff too. So it's like a fully responsive editor, right? Yeah. That's a big deal. It's like a responsive web app. So when people are like, responsive web apps are too hard, blah, blah, blah. Like here it is. <laughs> oh like, no, no, there's, there's, there's truth to that. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard, yeah. but, th- but they say it like, it's never been done ever, you know, and, and like, uh, you guys are doing a really good job. And I mean, 
I'm sure it means like things take just that much more time and thought and detail, but, um, in, in iteration, but man, it's, it's cool to see what you guys are doing there. Oh, thanks you. Yeah. It's, it is, it's really tough. And there are a lot more contingencies than you'd think to, to just, you know, implement one little thing and how that needs to cascade across everything else. Mm -hmm. Has that been a major challenge? I mean, you guys have like Ethan kind of in pocket, but I mean, has it been a super challenge for you guys? Absolutely. Is is that, was that the biggest like tech maneuver? You're just like, wow, that was difficult. Or I, I think it's probably not the biggest, but definitely not, not a small one either. It's uh it's it's really been something we have to always keep at the front of the mind to to make sure that we accommodate for it because it's uh, I, I mean just the interactions are going to be different from from a tap to a click um, but also how the interface needs to to respond to that it's it's, <laughs> it's definitely been a challenge I'm sure it has yeah. is there is there been moments where you're like OMG I wish that this this particular view we could just like have uh quote unquote mobile version of it and not have to worry about oh, supporting both. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, because it, I mean, when you design something for a desktop, it's you, you design for one device. And then as that moves, that same code is moving to a different device. You kind of want to be able to, I don't know, re- obviously reuse as much of that code as you can, but you also want to be able to have that thing adapt to be the best version of it that it can be on that device too. And sometimes it comes down to like, you know, figuring out how much real estate you need to accommodate certain features, like being able to have uh, navigation, but also the uh, the room to read what you're writing and then accommodate the keyboard if you're typing and then if you have any sort of, you know, if there's an error, error message. All right, guys, we like, got eight pixels left. What do you want to do with them? Yeah, exactly. Like, I can almost <laughs> I can almost see that line of text that I'm typing. So it, it like, really starts to crowd in on the space. Um, and that's a huge hurdle. That's fascinating. That's awesome. I really, I mean, I come up with the same problems every day on, on CodePen. And unfortunately, we haven't... Uh, you know, we don't have the the chops of all star team. So I'm like, there's a couple of views <laughs> that just aren't really mobile. They just don't work, or they work, but you just have to do a lot of uh, zooming in and zooming out. You know. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> okay, we got we got lots of stuff here. Lots of stuff. Speaking of speaking yeah. of this type of stuff. Yeah, speaking of old responsive design. <laughs> A little bit of drama this week, or continuation of some previous drama here on the Shop Talk Show. Uh, Webkit.org uh, announces support for the source set attribute. Which a lot of people saw right away and then said, oh, we lost the battle or whatever. But it's not necessarily true, right, Dave? Like, this is the, this is the version of source set that the community group presented as being acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, so if you like follow source set or, or whatever, you know, it used to have this really weird like 100W, 500H, you know, 20P, I, don't, I have no idea, cues. Uh, it had all these like custom micro, uh, syntax stuff for media queries that was totally custom, not a real thing, but they've since switched that to just be like your 1X, 2X, and 3X images. That's all it supports right now. So if you have image cat and then you want, then you can go source set equals cat HD at two X, you know, or two X space two X. And that will be, 
if the browser WebKit determines you should get that high resolution image, it will get the two X. It looks pretty solid so, to me. It doesn't look too complicated. It looks kind of decent. Would would you, would you say? Yeah, I think this was the responsive image community group. They proposed this change to it because it's good. It's actually a really awesome feature um, that we should have is just like these resolution. Cause that's like it, when you do responsive images, it's two things, right? It's like the image itself needing different sizes. And then it's like the resolution that's like the Z index, <laughs> you know, it has to get more, you know, higher resolution as you go down the, mm-hmm. the pipe. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's cool. I'm curious if like this means that 4k displays from Apple are, are on the horizon. Like, like there, if it goes into WebKit, like is everything going to be retina in the next, like this fall or whatever? That's, that's where you my think that's at. where the impetus for this. I mean, WebKit beat blink to the game, you know, so kind of so much for blink being <laughs> r- really fast here, but it might have been because somebody at Apple's like, Hey, you got to get this, you got to get going on this thing. That's what I, I think Apple is like this pull this trigger this needs to happen I don't know. the point being so like think, if you go to editorially.com there's an image the logo is an image it's an svg so it actually wouldn't matter here but but if it wasn't mm-hmm. an uh, it wasn't an svg you could just alter this source code right here and put data data or, or, or source set equals and then a, a higher res version of that logo in there space 2x and uh you'd be good to go in in you know in in a safari that doesn't exist yet but you know <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little premature on doing it, but that would be a use case for it. Anyway, <clears throat> just so people understand. I mean, it. If Apple goes everything retina, does this ruin all of our lives? That's my question, Jason. <laughs> no, I think it makes it, it better because everyone is, I don't know, everyone's sort of chasing Apple in some way or another anyway. So maybe everyone will update their displays. I think it, it gets, more difficult when the display uh, resolution depths get fragmented even more than that. Like we're going from, you know, one, one base standard to uh, starting up another one, but there are sort of fragmentations off of that as well. I kind of, I, I, I'm just sort of hiding from all of this and hoping it resolves itself without me having to do much. <laughs> you're just like yeah i'm just gonna sit here let people <clears throat> let let everyone die in the war and then <laughs> i'll i'll live in the palace <laughs> i don't know right. the answer no. to that. normally i can see the future but i don't know that it's gonna happen one way or the other it may it may not resolve itself oh i think it's you. it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a while and the what i've been doing more recently uh at least in my own personal stuff when i when i can is just doing the the thing that filament group uh, suggested doing like the, the two, two times sized image at a low res and then shrinking it down. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, 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 the syntax is just the same, which is nice. Um, and the, you, you know, the source set, all, all of that code just makes my, my head spin just to put like an image on a page. <laughs> we have to put that much markup into a page to get it to look right across all these devices. It, oh man, I, it's making yeah. me love SVG even more. Yeah, indeed. I know it. It you're just like, I want to use SVG, and then some dude who uses Android two is like, doesn't work. And you're like, ah, <laughs> I was so close to using SVG. Yeah, we're just Ugh. just doing it. I, <laughs> yeah, 
for now, this is what we're doing. I think it's good. Put it on the issue queue. Yeah. Oh. Well, we use Gruntacon, um, so it does. Oh, it, okay. it does have the ping fallbacks, which is nice too. Well, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's that good. Will work. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's kick it off with a question here. Go ahead and hit in Q and A. The meat and potatoes here, the shop talk show, and uh, this one is is a a bit of a. Uh, question and answer question here. Uh, Steve Thompson writes in, uh, what, what is the dumbest HTML tag? What is the dumbest HTML tag? Oh Oh God. I don't know. The I tag. Why? Because I don't know. Waka, 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 waka. Hey, waka, waka. Ah, waka, waka, waka. Oof. <laughs> it's I I just mm. that one brings me joy because it's so uh it's such it's a pretty big stretch. It was pretty good. Um Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> Russell Heimlich Heimlich, like the maneuver. Jason <laughs> Jason writes writes in Dear Shop Talk. <clears throat> Jason Kama. You were one of the more prominent art direction bloggers with your version 4 redesign. Did you find it hampered your writing since you had the extra burden of laying out the article in addition to crafting your words? No. No, not at all. No, what what hampered my writing was my writing. (laughs) Writing is really hard. (laughs) No, I I, uh, one of the things that I actually did just so that I could post more was I, I would start inviting people to do posts and I would do that in, uh, you know, October because I really love oh, the candy and ones. Halloween and, yeah. Yeah. So I would get more people to come in and write. So then I could just focus on design because writing is actually the harder part, not the, not the design around the writing. The design afterwards was like the vacation after, mm-hmm. you know, coming up with something that I wanted to say, that was the fun part. Oh, that's nice to know. Is it so the, the the usual question around this isn't it usually like did you find it hampering when you wanted to do v five that now you have to support all these old articles in uh, some kind of new layout, or how did you handle that no no, not all no i just I archived everything at a subdomain, so you can go to my site and go to v one dot dot com v two dot v three v four um and everything's just I sort see. of archived back there. That I, I, I basically skirted skirted around the problem by not addressing yeah. it at all. <laughs> sure, I like that though, because because when you redesign, you're you're kind of like this is the new season, you know, this is season three of my blog, and it's going to be good. And uh, so you get this like you know versioning for your blog, like a time capsule. I like it. Yeah. I like you it. could you should be able to do that in, you, in any particular CMS. Certainly, you could do it by hand, but like you could, if you were using WordPress to say it, I'm sure that you're not. But there, but but just as an example of a popular CMS, you could write a little bit of PHP that would be like, "Is publication date between this date and this mm-hmm. date? If so, use this theme. Else, use this theme. You know, that's yeah, and that's been on my to do list for ages. Is to just unify it all under one one thing mostly because i want to have a 
like a comprehensive archive of everything in one place. But hmm, for now, this will this will do. Cool. So if you're if people if you're interested in art direction blogging, not a big deal. Subdomain it and <laughs> and consider the design icing on the cake to the hard part, which is the writing itself. That's right. <laughs> All right, let's go next. Well, let's do a sponsor. We're halfway through, through, huh? Oh yeah, because I, I promised minutes. I would talk about Ghost Lab for a minute. It's a brand new sponsor on here. So the the website is Van. Amco, so v a n a m c o dot com, and then just go to slash shop talk, and you'll get there. Uh, and, and it's it's a Mac app, you know, works on OS X Lion uh, that you download and run. And it like it it's just it's fancy. I feel like you should just see it. What it does is I'm not going to speculate how it works just yet. I may get to that. <laughs> What it does is it kind of like gives you a URL that you can then visit a site in that you're um, that you're trying to test or whatever. And in in every every browser that you go to that site in, whether it's your you know your iPad, your iPhone, your other mobile devices, or other browsers on your desktop or on other computers or whatever, uh, they stay in sync. And not just like if I change some code, that, like the background to red, then it changes the background to red everywhere. It goes beyond that because you've probably seen that before. There's a number different services including copay and they can do that part of it this goes a little bit further than that and if you then like click something it will like follow that click to that place and if you scroll down it will scroll down in all of them which really makes that a lot more compelling i think that you can kind of have this like array of devices in front of you like a, a test lab and uh and and not only just see how they all look at a glance but also kind of have that interaction move along with it which is fancy and i'm sure that's why it requires the download of this app because you know i'm sure as some of you know that are like javascript developers and stuff you can't just be like trigger a click on this remote website you know, like that's just not something you can do because of security and stuff. Um, so it it does something fancy that makes that all work, which makes this uh, uh, you know worth buying because it does the does the fancy magical hard thing. Comes with a, a free seven day trial, so check it out. So if you're into the into the cross device testing thing, this is this is the thing that you want. Ghost Lab at Vamaco slash, and then just go to Shop Talk so you know that they came from here. Oh, tell us how it went too. I want to know. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm about to hit a testing phase here, so I I might need to crack this open and uh, give it a drive. Looks good. Um, All right, next question comes from Dennis Gable. Writes in, Jason, uh, what's your favorite upcoming part of the CSS fonts module level three? That's that's like the W three C spec, and can you? Explain what attracts you to that those parts and a little background info about that portion of the spec. Looking forward to your upcoming book. Thanks. Thank you. Um, are you, Jason, are you familiar with the CSS fonts module level three? I am. Uh, nice. I think my favorite part of it is probably the font variant stuff. Um, just because we, you know, have it, it, we've always had to like jump through hurdles to get anything beyond the basic set of characters that'll, you know, normally be displayed in a font. So stuff like um, different uh, numerals and small caps and ligatures and things like that. Uh, So I'm really excited about having a little bit more control over that stuff, especially things like figures. I mean, being able to specify lining versus old style figures, tabular figures, 
they're really handy, especially when you're trying to display specific kinds of information. Um, so that stuff's great. Ligatures so are obviously in any great. given font. Let's say you have a font file and it has mm-hmm. within it all the normal characters, you know, lowercase, uppercase, mm-hmm. whatever. In that same font file, will it have just more stuff? It'll have a small caps variant too, and you can't get access to it unless you use the CSS3 property font variant to activate it or whatever. Is that the case? Or would it be in a totally different font file? I don't know. Um, I it depends. Right now, so right, yeah, right now, um, well, let's let's back up. So fonts in general can contain many, many, many figures. Um, they can contain not only the normal uh, set of uppercase and lowercase, they contain small caps, different styles of numerals, ligatures, all that in one file. Um, and beyond the, you know, before the CSS3 uh, module spec, uh, you wouldn't be able to necessarily access all of that stuff, at least reliably. Um, so what a lot of people have been doing is splitting those into different files. So you would have your, you know, normal font file, then you would have the small caps font file and just kind of using them, they would move the small caps figures into the slots for, for the normal characters. So that if you were to type out a word and you're using the small cap font, it would then render in the small cap font. Um, so but that uh, sucks. Cause now you need two font files instead of one and it's harder to update and whatever else. Right. This is like, hopefully totally. in the future we won't have to do that. Right. But then the, the, the sort of gotcha from this is that all those characters make the font file larger. So then it's a bigger thing that you have to, you know, download to your, to your computer in order to render that, that. So that hopefully page. it would be an option. Um, hopefully good services would allow you to either turn that on or off as you choose. Yeah. And, and most do either by splitting them in different files or, or, you know, limiting the character set to not have those characters if you don't need them. So both work and they're both fine and it's not, not that big of a deal either way, but it's nice that this is the way that things are heading that, you know, that there's more of a, a focus on, on these assets in a yeah. much more detailed way. Cool. So font variant. Cool. And there's... then is there any others in the, in the new spec that allow this? I didn't even really know that really. This is all good stuff. <laughs> all good stuff. <laughs> font variants. Really cool. There's some really awesome demos out there mm-hmm. of this, whether they're like, code pens or whatever but hopefully um, there's some cool stuff yeah absolutely okay hopefully that's good stuff for you guys we have a question here from yi yang who has kind of a philosophical life question perhaps chase money Hmm. or chase opportunity i was Oh, man. I was recently (laughs) offered an opportunity to work for a large, well-known telecom company that would be a very lucrative pay for me from uh, six-figure something, but of which I could probably have to hang up my fun and creative card as a part of the corporate direction. Uh, Many of my peers said I should take the job because of the significant pay raise that I would get. I ended up declining the position because I was perfectly happy and content with where I am now and an agency doing some pretty cool stuff. I've always operated with the principle of do what you love and love what you do. So I don't know. It goes on a little bit, but what what's 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 the advice here for ye in a clearly in a tough position here? Sure. I, I mean, it's it's really going to come down to a personal situation. You know, like for me, I'm I'm always going to chase opportunity before anything else, just because I want to I want to be able to look back on the stuff that I've done and be happy about you know what I've produced or what I was able to 
to accomplish and the things that I was able to try out, you know, whether the successes or failures and not always be reined in by, uh, you know, how much money that's going to entail either because I, you know, need the money to live or I, I want more money so that I can live better, what, what have you. I'm, I'm always going to try and chase down the thing that's going to give me the opportunity to work better or to learn something, which is even better than that. Um, but then again, you know, if you need the money, go with the money. It's, sure. It's, it's I'm not sure there's some minimum it, level, right. Of, of, of being comfortable. I mean, like, like if you're not, if you're not getting by, you might not have the luxury of, of, of picking a, a job just for the sake of learning, but it doesn't sound like he's in that position. Right. right? You're not. Yeah. You know what it's, it, I mean, I'll, I'll don a little bit of a philosopher's hat here too. And I think that if you, if you're given pause, like if the money isn't the clear answer to begin with, then it's probably not the thing that you're going after anyway. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you're looking at the money because you're thinking I could have a better life rather than I need that much money, then you probably want to go after the the opportunity anyway. You're right. I think that's that's good. I think that's where Yi was was headed with this. Just the phrasing of the question in general was that he's yeah. fairly happy at this agency. He refers to doing cool stuff and is very concerned yeah. that the corporate direction. It's probably you know a lot of Helvetica and Greys. Who knows? You know. Yeah. And you know what, too, like the thing that everyone is always chasing for when they're not able to do good work is the place or the opportunity to do the kind of work that they want to do. That's the most difficult thing to find somewhere that will allow you to be creative and allow you to work on the kind of stuff that you want. Um, And once you get there, it's something that you have to kind of keep renewing. You know, you have to keep chasing that because people are going to keep coming to you because you do that kind of stuff. Indeed, but I mean, if yeah. if if you're if you're only looking at money, you know, you're not you're you're going to be treated as a as sort of a as a resource more than anything, you know. Like no one's going to think about you know the work that you do. They're going to think about how much you cost. And uh, I don't know if you're chasing the opportunity and you're doing good work. The money's going to come at some point, probably anyway. That's a good point. I I just noticed. If, oh, go ahead. Oh. I was going to say just like if like Yi is super passionate about redesigning the enterprise or something like that, <laughs> and maybe it's a thing. Um, but like, you know, like if let's say it's AT&T, the telecom or something like that, I don't know. But like, and he's like, I, I really want to fix all of AT&T's problems. That's like awesome. The chances of you like making a ripple in an enterprise is company is, is super difficult just cause it's so large, but, um, and less likely, but, um, I mean, maybe that factors into it. Maybe he's super stoked for this chance to do this, but it just sounds like he's going stability and cash over. Sure. Although he like mentioned six figures. And, like if your job is just to bear, just to, just to hit six figures at the lowest possible level, that could be just in my experience in living in, in the San Francisco area for a while. Um, there's tons of startups and there's tons of like people doing fairly creative things with like loose startup jobs, show up whenever you want kind of stuff. And the, I feel like that's kind of the base level out there. Assuming you have like a decent, uh, you know, a pretty good demonstrable portfolio and like ability to write good code, you're the pretty much the jobs are, in my experience, are six figure jobs out there. So if you have any mm-hmm. desire to go to San Francisco, I think you'd, you, you could do okay there and not have to work for a corporation just to make six figures. 
sure. not every job, but in my experience, there's it would it would be pretty easy to find a low level six figure job out there. Okay, okay, what do we got, Dave? Hey, all right. Next question, Brandon Cook writes in. So my question is this: I have recently. Uh, he did. Okay. I get worried that at the end of the question, they're going to say, please don't mention my last name <laughs> on this one. It doesn't. Okay. So, so my question is this. I've recently applied for a few jobs where the mobile development, uh, where mobile web development or responsive design was a requirement. I started using Twitter bootstrap about a year ago and use it for every project that I work on from now on or now, uh, the feedback I've received from employers is that their IT team feels that I'm just using simple templates and that I don't have the coding skills or chops required for the position. Now I'm not an expert coder with backend languages such as PSP or ASP.net. And my experience comes mostly from uh, front end work utilizing HTML, CSS and JavaScript, etc. So does the IT team know what they're talking about? Mobile layout and design doesn't need to be complicated. Uh, so it's, he's kind of, he does a lot of bootstrapping, um, and then he applies for jobs and, or a job and the IT team there is just like, uh, yeah, not, not, I'm not feeling it or whatever. Um, I mean, is the IT team kind of in the right or is he just, should he just be using bootstrap and not, not feel guilty about that? Or what do you guys think? I I don't know. I don't know that you should feel guilty about it. It's I mean, if he's doing front end development and you know prototyping, I think that going that way is good. If if someone's going to be upset that you're not recreating something, you know, re, you know, re, reinventing the wheel every time you do a project, that's that's kind of backwards. <laughs> like if you want an employee to work efficiently and they can get to the same solutions that that you're after in a different way, why not? Maybe maybe the IT team just has a a little bit of a martyr complex or something. It may be how you're presenting yeah, yourself, Brandon. I I kind of get the sense from this question that you kind of like maybe waltzed in there for an interview and they said, "Do you do responsive design?" And you're like, "Heck yeah, I use Bootstrap for everything," and walked out. <laughs> like I'm sure it was a little more complicated <laughs> than that. But like, and then and then they had a little internal meeting and they're like, um. You know, I'm not sure dude grasps the core concept of it. Like he picked something that already is responsive and is just riding on the tails of that. Um, and that doesn't sound like that's the case for you because you have plenty of other skills and other things. But like you may choose to demonstrate your ability with responsive design other than like announcing which framework you use. You know, be like, hmm. I, I, I don't know how that would be, but that may be a way to go. Yeah, I think I think the most important thing you could do, and I we don't have his portfolio or anything, so can't really tell. But like, maybe it's a matter of like doing something without Bootstrap, and like this is your that's your thing. You you didn't like you you are demonstrating that you know how to do all the stuff that Bootstrap does without Bootstrap. Maybe that's something. Um, but yeah, for more or less, like Bootstrap is very like modern coding um there's a couple other ones and not to like not swap this out with something else but like top code io or pure css or foundation or whatever you could maybe crack one of those open and see how it does it differently and then you're kind of learning the principles even though it's different you know sure that might be something and i mean that's that comes along with any any sort of framework i think that they can be really good to test out ideas and play around with but 
if you're if you're actually going to use it for the for the end result, you you bring along any baggage that the framework has with it, whether it's you know really opinionated coding or a style of uh, a style or an approach, whether it's mobile first or desktop first, or I mean you're you, you're kind of subscribing to whatever that framework is built around, which might not always be the best thing either. They're they're a great way to learn. They're a great way to get to um, you know play around with real ideas really quickly, but um, it's also important to know that you understand the concepts and you could do this on your own and, you know, roll your own stuff when you need to. I kind of think about it like you wouldn't call somebody who just buys themes on ThemeForest a like front end developer, if that makes sense. Like they're, they're good at probably installing themes on WordPress, but, um, and that's maybe too critical, but like, you know, just if they're like no customization, they're just like, yeah, I'll make you a website, pay, 30 bucks at theme forest upload and congratulations. I mean, I wouldn't call that person a developer. That's probably what the IT team is worried about is that that's what they're getting themselves into, which would be a concern unless you can sell yourself in a, in a better way. Right. A theme manipulator. Is that on your, (laughs) your job? No. Although (laughs) it is an interesting thing to talk about though. Like what do you call that person? Cause they, they do work on the web and, you know, I don't know if they, I don't know, maybe they don't even deserve a professional theme forest, Adam says. A professional <laughs> theme forester. Let's move on. Yeah. Ariel Infante asks, and I think this is an interesting question, if I post code on GitHub and someone makes my code better by submitting a bug, you know, a pull request or something, is it legal to make a profit on their code if I then, like, take it and make money somehow? Like, you put it in the app store and, and you know, have paid features or whatever. So they, It's your app. It's your code. They submitted code that makes it better, and you make all the money. Is that legal? And I ask this because oh. there's this is like this is a thing on web apps too. Like, let's say you get an email at editorially that says, "You know what? I have the coolest feature idea ever," and they spell it out for you in this email, and you're like, "Oh man, that is such a good idea!" And you implement it in their product, mm-hmm. and you become rich and successful and famous. And then they come back and write an email that said, "Like, um, that was my idea. So why am I not rich and famous? Like, well, how do you? What's yeah. the deal?" Well, I I mean. I, th- I think there are two sides of this. First off, ideas, and this has you know, been said tons, ideas aren't really worth that much. You actually have to make something. Like, I can, I can have an idea for, uh, y- you know, something amazing, but if I don't actually do anything on it, it's just a hypothetical, you know? Yeah. Like, I want to I wanna solve uh, world peace. There's an idea. I want to, you know, cure cancer. There's another idea. It, like, if I don't actually I do will, something, I will with sue it. you. If you <laughs> I will sue you if you solve world peace because it was my idea. <laughs> but, ahead, but sorry. by the same token, when you're dealing with something like communal or collaborative work, uh, I don't think it's a bad idea to either be upfront that, you know, what your intentions are with a project if you can, and also just to be totally open about it, thank people, um, show them that, you know, they're the, the things that they've done have made something better. And that might take the form of simple, just accolades and thanks, or it might take the, the form of, you know, money <laughs> at some point too. And that's okay. But I, I don't know that there's a, a singular way to go about it, but like most things, just don't be a dick. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
There is a, I, I put it in here because, A, it's interesting to talk about and everybody has their own way. And there's, there's this angle to it that's the, uh, what's the right thing to do angle, the ethical angle, the nice guy angle, and then the legal angle, which is sometimes different. Um, and it's one of the reasons why terms of service can be so long on web apps sometimes. And we, you know, we've spent a good amount of time on this on CodePen and there literally is a section in there. And I hope this doesn't turn anybody off too bad, but it mentions this exact scenario where if you email us with an idea and we happen to use your idea, that it becomes part of what is like legally ownership of, of CodePen. And it's just got to be in there because of situations like this where it can become a legal issue. This this thing like, hey, I sent you that idea. It's mine. Uh, so we have to have that in there. They're just legally to protect the business. There's, there's a, a little bit of language in the terms of service that says if you go out of your way to send us an idea of an email, we get to use mm-hmm. it if we want. So just, just, just as a heads up, I thought I would mention that. Is this related to the question? I would say in for like if you're posting on GitHub, like GitHub has a pretty established social coding thing. So it's uh, it's similar to like somebody next to you saying like, hey, why don't you put a semicolon there? And then like maybe you buy that guy a coffee or something, you know, but but that doesn't that has like, like no legal coverage. So I I think you're probably fine, but I'm not a lawyer. So talk to a lawyer about that. I did have the interesting thing. Somebody wants to use fit text in an app they're releasing and selling. And they're like, like, can I use this in my app and make money or my plugin and make money on? Cause you know, people are using fit text or fit vids mm, and they're, sure. I have they're a slider people WordPress use all plugins. the time and plugins. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Go for it. it. Yeah. It's like, I don't care. You know, like, um, I hope you get rich. But one thing I, I started saying is like, if you find this useful and you find yourself super rich or moderately, you know, a hundred dollars richer, like consider a donation, making a donation to, and my current charity of choice is, uh, uh, girls who code. So just make a donation to girls who code and I'll be happy with you. So, cool. cause I don't really care. But. Good idea. Last minute, people, last minute, go to digitalbizsummit.com. So if you're listening to this live right now and you decided, hey, I run a web business and I want to like connect with other business owners or learn how to run my own business better, that's what this conference is all about. It's an Environments for Humans conference who do these online summits. They're always called summit. That means it's like Environments for Human talk for it's an online one, meaning that you can attend it from anywhere in the world. So you just, you know, you use your web browser and you go and there's a chat room and video and there's people talking and chatting and the people, uh, you know, the speakers themselves are watching your chat room. So it's pretty cool. It's a, it's, it's, it's August 20th. So this, this, this coming Tuesday. So there's some chance that it's already over by the time you listen to this. I hope that's not the case, but if that is the case, you should go to cssdevconf.com and consider going to that one. But uh, this is, this is pretty cool. I, I think there's not, there's not, possibly enough of these style of conferences in our industry that are like not not necessarily all about the you know the javascript or whatever but how do i how do i kind of make money as somebody who works on the web or or how do i manage it better or deal with the people better or how do i you know internally handle my business better so there's that's what the that the theme of the day is and that's what people are talking about so uh, use, if you decide to go to this, go to use discount code SHOPTALK for 20% off the ticket and act fast because this one's coming up. So uh, enjoy, folks. Do it. Do cool. it. Well, 
Should we All do right. another one? Well, yeah. shall we? Yeah, let's let's continue. Um, Sorry, I jumped uh, around there. You can pick whatever you want. Yeah, I'm <laughs> lost. I'm absolute. Here's here's one. It's an audio question, which is our Ooh. favorite kind of question here on the Shop Talk Show. But uh, it's from Zolt Pence, who's written in before, called in before. Uh, but this one is pretty interesting. Here we go. And I think it's good for Jason. So, Hello, guys. My name is Jolt. And I've been in web development for six years now. Since the age of 17, I've been really interested in programming and such. And uh, I've been in the industry for a whole year now. And I would really like to become a better designer, which doesn't necessarily mean pixel pushing and Photoshop and such, but just to be able to be creative enough to make up a new website and know how to do that. And I've taken a semester in uh, graphic design, but that didn't work out. I've got a couple of books, too, which I've read, but I'm still really not confident enough to just do it. Um, what would be your advice? What's, what should I learn? What tutorials to read? How do I become a kick-ass designer? <laughs> Thanks, guys. So, Jason, I'm sure you get this question, like, daily <laughs> but uh just uh, how how do you become a designer and i know there there were people in the chat room uh talking about grids and stuff like that but maybe that applies to this but i i guess like how i mean what's your advice to somebody who who's like i know nothing or i'm just not that rad at it how do i get better well the 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 answer that i usually give is the one that no one wants to hear because it's the it's the least fun one that there's not really one place like there's not a book that you can read there's not a tutorial that you can go to like there's no one thing that will teach you how to be a good designer the way that you get to be a good designer is understanding the basics the principles like like he said you know he went and took a semester in a graphic design program and that's fantastic just to learn like the basics around design after that most of what's left is just doing work. Like it's exercise. You have to keep producing stuff. So it's, you're never going to get to this point where, you know, you've been reading, you've been, uh, you know, uh, learning about design, and then you're going to wake up one day and be like, I am now ready to make websites. You know, you just have to start making, making designs. And that's the way that you're going to get better. But I will say that um, you know, reading about design and, and learning through books and, and classes is fantastic. Um, and this is something that I always tell people too, when they ask if they should actually go to school to learn about design. I say absolutely, because um, going to to school for design will give you the opportunity to actually uh, learn not only yourself, but learn from other people. And this is something that you don't ever get out of a book um, when you're only working on your own, but seeing your other classmates and collaborating with them, seeing what works for them, what fails for them, you learn from their mistakes and their successes just as you learn from your own. And it's sort of like an intensive incubator to learn faster and better. Um, you also challenge each other because you can't help but get into sort of these low-level competitions to want to outdo <laughs> someone in your class. And it's just, it's, it's a natural thing, but it works. Yeah, it, it works really well. And that is stuff that you won't ever get out of a book. It's not just theory. It's not just examples, but it's hands-on stuff. And you learn very quickly from, from what works and what doesn't. And I think that, you know, reading is supplemental to that. Um, 
reading articles, talking to other people is supplemental to that, but uh, you'll, you'll accelerate the fastest and you'll learn the best um, around other people. So a community based approach. That's pretty cool. Mm, yeah. Think about it. Yeah. I was, I was very similar. I was going to say, get some dark, thick glasses, maybe a plaid <laughs> shirt and now you're on it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and a moleskin, those help. <laughs> <laughs> crawl down into a dark hole and just paint the walls over and that's over. right have have a teen angst phase <laughs> exactly of your life where you i don't know i like the idea of like of like like you know first of all just build websites you know or, or just design things right because you get good at what you do and you're not going to just build you get good at what you but do, it, and you're not going to get any better unless you do it a whole bunch. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, again, if you look back over those like archived versions of my sites, they started out really awful and gotten, I, I hope, I think, maybe progressively better. But I mean, that, that shows you right there that it's just a progression. It's a, it's a constant thing that you're always improving on. Indeed. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have pretty good ideas or whatever, but when it comes like skill and implementing a design or whatever, it's like, yeah, don't depend on Dave Rupert for that. But I feel like every time I do design something, I'm 0.5% better than I was last time. Exactly. So it's just this like, you you get better, but boy, not a lot. You know better. why you're going to be but okay next time you design, Zolt, right? Or Jolt? You know why so, you're going to be okay? Because the, you already know that the, you're unhappy with your own skill level in it and that you try and then you look at it and then you don't like it and that you try again and you're in that position. That was the, that was the gist of, of your question. And that means that you already have a level of taste that's higher than what you can do. And that's a good place to be in. It's, you're not Absolutely. in a good place if you are, if you design something and you're like, Oh, I love it. I'm going to hang it on my fridge. I'm going to send it to my mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or if you're like, you know, you just do something and you immediately think it's good because you did it. You're in a way better spot if you, if the, the second you're done with it you're like ugh, you know it's that it's that classic ira glass quote thing which is like the greatest quote of all time which is where how you're always you know you're 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 in a good spot if you're like kind of always dissatisfied with with what you're doing or that your level of taste is is beyond what you have in in the early days what you're able to do absolutely uh, so let me run this by you guys. So my friend Damon at Damon on Twitter, he's like a rails guy. He started the like Austin on rails meetup and stuff in town. He's really sharp, but like, he's like, you know, my design is not that, that awesome. So how do I improve that? And I was like, you know, one thing you could do is get on dribble and just start posting stuff like, you know, bad or good or whatever, like just start posting stuff because like you don't really thrive in design. I feel like until you get like, brutally critiqued <laughs> do you guys feel like that's true or is that just well maybe too no, much uh, I, don't. I, I don't i i i don't think that there's necessarily a, a a correlation between you know getting torn apart in a critique or getting raised up in a critique uh it, it's all going to depend on the person and who's actually doing the critiquing like there's constructive criticism that can be um you know uh very critical, very not mean spirited, but very critical. Um, but then there's also criticism that can just be mean. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't understand how to separate those two, where they think that 
a critique is about pointing out the things that are wrong rather than trying to understand what a designer is attempting to achieve in a design and showing them that certain things might be working, certain things might not be, but that it's a conversation. You know, uh, a lot of the critiques online kind of turn into a, like, point out point out what what's wrong and, you know, chop down the person. That they think that in order to critique someone, you actually need to be mean-spirited, that that's how people are going to grow. And that's not at all true. The thing I like, though, about what Dave said there is that it is a, it's, it, b- before you post... You're it, you you already like are in a slightly high pressure situation. Not that dribble necessarily has to be, but but what I like is the high pressuredness of it. Like and the the scarcity. You only get so many shots on there or whatever. So before you even hit the submit button, you're already like deciding that you're under the gun to put something up there cool. And a little bit of like self pressure might be in order. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. maybe depends on the person again. Probably. Yeah, I I I think it creates this like in. Dribble specifically uh, just creates that like interesting. All right, if I'm going to put this up there, people are probably going to or could you know give good feedback or or kind of super rando feedback uh, that happens too. So like I kind of want to just make sure like you know I feel pretty good about this. You know, well the um, the the thing too I think that what I was saying before about critique is that it is a conversation that merely showing someone a a piece of design isn't doing your job. If you're the designer, like you actually need to talk about what it is that you're working on, that what you're attempting to achieve. And that's why a lot of things like, like dribble is fantastic, but I actually don't like um, using it or any other website for that matter for, for critiques. I would rather do stuff in person, not only because, um, I, I like having some people that I know in the room because then they're familiar with what I'm trying to achieve because they're probably already familiar with the project that I'm working on. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't have to do so much of a preface just to get people to understand the goal behind what I'm making beyond just make something look attractive visually. Um, but I, I also feel like that gives you the time and the space to have the kind of conversation that you need to have. It isn't rushed. It isn't hurried. It isn't one-off. It isn't a popularity contest of someone trying to, you know, come up with a funny quip or anything like that. It's actually very focused. I really like that. That's good. I, somebody smart. I saw this at a conference once, and I wish I could credit them because it's there's somebody much smarter than me, I'm sure. But they work in in client work, and they said they'll never send. They never send just a URL of like, here's the design, let me know what you think. They only send it as a movie. And in this movie, they present the designs, but they also talk through it. So that way it prevents mm. the like the person from like, you know, whatever, the classic thing, like sending it home to their wife and their wife's like, I hate orange. And then they get it back, you know, because there's no <laughs> context. They can never see the design unless it's at least in the early stages, you know, or like that very round one kind of thing that it's only in the context mm-hmm. of this video where you're presenting it, which I thought was pretty smart. Absolutely. And I mean, when you only just throw an image online or something like that, you're only going to really get criticism about the way that something looks and that's not always the most important thing because because you're kind of you're like look at the soul of this is sort of what you want to say right like does that work and then somebody's like i think that font's wrong or right something. and i mean you don't always have the the opportunity to express the context in which something will be seen in or the other parameters involved in obviously if it's a website how is it actually going to work what is it going to do when someone 
you know, interacts with it, but the context as well. And people will say, sure, but when you see design out in the world, that's what it's like too. You don't get to explain it. But the thing behind that is the context is the environment that they're seeing it in. You know, like if you go to a website, that's fine because it's a website and there's the environment. If it's a billboard, you're out in the world and that's the way it's going to look. And I think that, you know, that context and the environment that it lives in is what is is needed in order to really critique something. So what you're saying is all my mock-ups have to be like guy holding iPad <laughs> in a park. Is that, I heard, I heard, that's what I heard. Exactly. Go forward. <laughs> okay. All right. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Well, uh, unfortunately it's, it's that time guys. We're, we're all out of time. Um, so this is sad, but Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. So awesome, awesome advice and knowledge there. Uh, how can people follow you on Twitter, buy your products, give you money? How does that work? Um, people can just give me money if they want to. That's cool. Um, you don't need to do anything beyond that. Um, small bills. Yeah. Small, <laughs> un- 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 <laughs> bills. yeah. Um, Jason Santa Maria is, is me on Twitter and, uh, the dot com's my website as well. That's about it. If there's usually anything in, important, I'll probably be talking about it. And then uh, a book apart has some books kind of on the, uh, in the hopper here. Yes, yes. Of course there's like some good, good uh, stuff so coming up on the lookout. Putting your own book. I'm already excited. Are you yeah, are, and are you uh, full up now at editorially? I know you were looking for somebody at one point. Is it or is it you need to? Yes, do we need to advertise that or, or no? You're good. You're full. No, no, no. We're good. No, we hired um, a, a front end developer named Susan Robertson. She's in Portland and she is awesome. Nice, love Susan. She's good. She knows exactly. She on yeah. Twitter. She's on top of things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's she's a smarty. Yes, she is. Well, awesome. Well, thanks, Jason, so much of course. Uh, again. And uh, thanks, everyone, for coming out to the chat room, listening live. Thank you for downloading this on your iPod or your Android or your HTC One or your Samsung Galaxy Nexus 3, or I'll just stop. And then uh, thank you for following us. If you're not following us uh, at Shop Talk Show on Twitter, be sure to do that because we sometimes post tweets. Um, and, yeah, uh, Chris, you got anything? <laughs> ShopTalkShow.com. Cool. Big nuts. <laughs>